Know this. God hears and knows everything that happens to you and to me. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I wonder if anyone here today needs to hear that there's a reason and a purpose for everything that's happened in your life. Maybe you're going through what makes absolutely no sense to you. God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? It's just nothing but damage and nothing but hurt, nothing but pain, nothing but tears. Yet what if God has chosen specifically from the foundation of the world to use you in the midst of your torment in the midst of your hardship, to reach out to others that are just like you, others that have been walking down the same path of pain, to be a liaison, to bring them into the kingdom of God. What if God used your chains and your hardship to be the very lifeline to a lost and a weary soul? Know this, people relate most to those who have walked down the same path of pain as them more than anything. Which leads the question, are you willing to be used in your pain? Are you willing, instead of just complaining and just woe is me, are you willing to allow God to use you in this horrible situation that you've had to endure? Are you willing to use that to reach out to someone else that's experiencing the very same thing to grab their hand and draw them into a relationship with Christ where you have found relief and peace in your life? That's the question. Understand, God is most concerned with our eternity, much more than our present time. He is so much more concerned about eternity. Why? Because this life is only so long. You have a shelf life. I have a shelf life. How long do you expect to live? How long did your great-grandparents live? How long did your grandparents live? Have your parents passed away yet? My mother just passed away. It's like, how long do you really expect to live? Do you think you're going to make 95? Are you going to be like Bob Hope, the entertainer that made it to 100 years old? How long could you live in this life? Could you go to 105? I mean, how long could you actually live? What if you lived as long as you could? What if you said you lived to 100 years old? That is only a fraction of eternity. Eternity is a hundred trillion years and you haven't even scratched the surface yet. So God is saying, yes, you have a life on this planet, but this life is so limited, it's so small, it's like a grain of sand on the beach compared to eternity. So I'm putting all of my emphasis on your eternity, not on this life. So does God bless us here? Yes. Can he encourage us? Yes. Can he cause all things to work together for for good? Yes. But his emphasis is on the next life. 
I want to see you strong here so you be strong there. I want to see you take the hand of someone else that's in pain and I want you to lead them for the next life. That's what God is most concerned with. So when we have no idea what is going on in this life, that's when the Bible says to us in Ecclesiastes 11.5, he says, just as you do not know the path of the wind. Oh, we, we feel the effects of the wind, right? Oh, we can feel it blowing on us, but we don't know where it comes from. He says, just like you don't know the path of the wind or how the bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. He says, you don't know the activity of God who makes all things. You just don't know. You don't understand now. You will understand one day, but we'll never understand this side of heaven. Let's not forget in this life, defeat may serve us as well as victory. To shake our soul and let the glory out. Only the soul that knows great despair can know the beauty of God's true deliverance. Only the soul that has experienced great despair can know the beauty of God's deliverance. Yet now in chapter nine of John, verse six, Jesus does the unorthodox. He spits on the ground. Okay, it's a little gross. He spits on the ground goes down, grabs up a little clay, and he smears it into the man's eyes. Could you imagine? Okay, the blind man, you know, all he hears is a, okay? And then all of a sudden, you can see Jesus grab the back of his head, and he's just, you know, and the guy's like, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? I mean, he's a beggar. He's a scrapper, man. He's like, ah, you know, and Jesus is like, Argh! and just puts it into the guy's eyes. And then he tells him, go wash it out. Be careful not to miss this next part in verse seven. The man went and he washed. Did you get that? He obeyed. He did what Jesus told him to do. Jesus could have just spoke the words, right? Hey, now you see. But instead, he reached deep into this man and he ignited his faith. And because of that, he went from the night of blindness right into the receiving of the light of Christ. I wonder what could be ignited in our lives if we simply obeyed what God commands us to do. What miracles are waiting if you just simply trusted the Lord? I remember I, we made an offer on our house and God, you know how much things cost here in LA. It's just crazy. And you know, this is back in 2010. So we were just coming out of the last recession. And, and so, you know, prices were definitely lower than they are now, but they were still so far out of the reach of me and my wife. And we were like, man, we need a house for like 200,000 less than what they're selling for here. It's like, oh my goodness, how could we ever buy a house here? So, well, I had found this one house and I took my wife to see it. And she's like, why are you showing me this house? It is so far out of our price range, we could never afford it. I'm like, yeah, but like, what if we offered like $200,000 less? And she's like, then we'll probably laugh at you. You know, it's like, and so, so I call up the real estate agent. It was on a Sunday right after our church service. 
and we were living downtown in a high rise and I called her and I had her on speakerphone. I go, yes, I'd like to come by tomorrow on Monday and meet in your office and you know, I'd like to make you an offer on this particular house and, 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 and she's just like, oh, that's so nice. And she goes, the, the owner would like that because he's down, he's living up north now. The house has been empty for you know, a while and, and he's down this week, so he would like to have an offer. I'm like, oh, great. She goes, what's the offer? I go, well, I, would look, I won't wanna wait and you know, I'll see you in person, you know? <laughs> and she's like, and she's like, well, tell me the number. I'm like, well, no, I, I, you know, and this goes back and forth like six times. Finally, she's like, tell me the number. Okay. And it's like, I'm just like, whoa. I mean, she became nasty little bear. And, uh, and so we're talking. So I told her the number and she's like going, let me just tell you something. I live in this neighborhood and let me tell you something else. You will never live in this neighborhood. And she hung up on me and I'm just like, well, that didn't go over like I planned. You know, <laughs> it's like, and my wife, her, her jaw was down to the ground. Like, oh my God, I can't believe how rude that woman was. But Anyway, but she had said that the guy was down this week. So on that Monday, I drive down in the morning. He wasn't there. I drive down to the house on Monday night. He wasn't there. Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, he wasn't there. Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, he wasn't there. And I woke up on Thursday morning. I'm laying in bed and I'm like, he's there. I feel it inside. I just like, and I told my wife, I go, I'm going to go. And she's like, you've been going down every day this week. And I'm like, yeah, but he's there. I feel it. So I get in my truck. I fight all the traffic coming down this way. I pull up in front of the house and he's there. (laughs) I get out of my car and I'm walking up the driveway and it's an older Jewish man. And I go, well, good morning, sir. And he goes, good morning. What's good about it? There's nothing good about it. Every house in this neighborhood sells, but mine. He goes, a house down here sold, a house over there sold. I mean, he's just, his guy goes on a rant, man. His veins are popping out of his neck. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he gets done with this two-minute rant. And he's like, <laughs> you know, and he gets, and this is exactly what I said to him. I said, well, sir, how do you not know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is never, ever going to let you sell this house until you sell it to me. And, and, he, and he looked at me and he goes, well, I guess that's possible. And within 20 minutes, we bought the house for 183000 less than he was asking for. The point is this. What could happen if... By faith, you believed what God's word said and it was able to ignite a fire inside of you. What if you simply obeyed God? What if you took someone to the harvest crusade? What if you invited someone? Come with me, go with me. What would happen? Know this, for the true Christian, there will always be a cost to follow Jesus. Notice how the people questioned him in verse nine, wondering if he was the same guy. Wait a minute, are you the same guy? Because I mean, who knows how his eyes were? Maybe his eyes were open, they were all creepy looking. Maybe his eyes were closed, you know, who knows? But now he's got these bright beaming eyes. Maybe they were big blue eyes or big brown eyes and just gleaming with life. It's like, wait a second, is this the same guy? And they asked him, how did this happen? Followed by asking where Jesus was. This started a huge controversy on many fronts. The main one being the healing took place on a Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. 
Oh, Jesus loved to do healings on a Sabbath day. And it just riled the religious leaders to no end. Let's look what happened next here as we pick up in verse 16. Therefore, because he got healed on the Sabbath, some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Oh, really? We're going to start an argument over this? The religious leaders turned the Sabbath, which was meant to be a day of rest, into a total burden. See, God made the Sabbath. He says, okay, I don't want anyone to work. So you used to go out there plowing the field? No plowing the field on the Sabbath. You ladies out there washing clothes and doing your laundry? No doing the laundry on the Sabbath. No doing your dishes. You know, no work on the Sabbath. He was talking about our occupation, our work. We should give this day to the Lord and have a day of rest. It didn't mean that we just couldn't do something. Yet Jesus brought out the beauty of the Sabbath. When he spoke the truth in Mark 2, 27, he said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, meaning it should be a blessing, not a burden. Consequently, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. See, the religious leaders turned it into a burden. Oh, you can't do any work. So even today, you go to Jerusalem, and they will hire Palestinians to come over to their house. Why? Because you want to eat on the Sabbath? Oh, that would be work to open the refrigerator. So you have to hire a Palestinian. Then they bring a pagan in. Here, you can open the refrigerator for me because I'll just be like, I'll look over there. At lunchtime, <laughs> it's like, you know, and let them make my sandwich and then we'll eat. You know, like I've shared this before on the Sabbath there, they have the Sabbath elevator. Every hotel, it's just set for the Sabbath. So every floor, it just goes, opens the door, closes, goes to the next floor. So when you get on, you have to go to each floor because, oh my goodness, it would be work to push the button of which floor you want to go to. Do you think God cares you pushed the button on the elevator. That's not what the Sabbath was meant for. It was a day of rest so that you're not, you know, driving your bus or doing plowing your field and washing your dishes and you're washing your clothes. Yes, a miracle has happened and they missed it. The people were amazed and baffled. A blind beggar that everyone knew because he was born that way. Everyone knew this guy. Yet, as crazy as it sounds in verse 18, these religious leaders didn't believe it. They stood there spiritually blind as the blind man is now seen. How crazy is that? They said he was never blind in the first place. Uh, no, this, he was never blind. What? What are you talking about? Verse 19 says the religious leaders interrogated his parents. Then for the second time in verse 24, they interrogated him again, and they called Jesus a sinner. Yet look how he answers them in verse 25. He says, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is I was blind, and now I see. Okay, you guys can talk whatever you want to talk. I mean, it's like, I mean, how do you answer that? Once I was blind, but now I see. They're calling Jesus a sinner. But all this man can say is, look at me. I was blind. You know who I am. You've walked by me every day. But now I see. It's called the power of the personal testimony. Yes, people can 
They can, and they will argue Bible doctrine with you. I think it means this. I think it means that. Yet it's very hard to deny a life that has been changed. My life was radically changed by Christ 42 years ago. I'm a different person. The way I lived back then is not how I live today. Let me ask you, since you became a Christian, has your life changed? Can you say with honesty that once you were lost, but now you're found, you're saved? Know this, the proof of the gospel can be seen. How can it be seen? In your changed life. It can give those around us hope for themselves. Oh my goodness, if you could save a dirtbag like Steve Wilburn, Maybe there's hope for me. See, it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, if you can be changed, maybe God could change myself. Maybe there's hope for the hopeless that can come out of that. That their sin can be forgiven like your sin can be forgiven. That their lives can be changed. Let's not forget, God has made us in his image. We are divinely and uniquely created. There's nobody else on the planet that's just like you. But just like this man was ridiculed, and this man was questioned about his healing, we as believers will be ridiculed and questioned about our faith in the living God. Yes, there's a cost in following the Lord. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, you got to deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me because if you choose to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. If you try to save your life, you try to do, hey, I've got my plan and I'm not changing from my plan. I'm not deviating from my plan. He goes, Jesus says, you're going to lose your life. You get to the end and you will die and you will lose your life and you'll spend eternity separated from me in a place called hell. But if you lose your life for my sake, you humble yourself before me, you come to me, I will give you life and you'll live forever. For what does a man profit if he were to gain the whole world but forfeit or lose his own soul? What do you get if you get everything? Man, I'm a billionaire. I got my own jet plane. I got my Gulf Stream. I got this. I got that. I own an island. I got this. I got everything. What do you gain if when you die? Because you can take nothing with you. And as you get older, you start realizing, I've accumulated all these things. And then it just, someone else gets it. All your stuff, someone else gets it. What do you profit if you gain everything, but you lose your own soul in the end? Those who wish to enter the next life on your own terms, you will not enter heaven. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, only the foolish says in his heart that there is no God. He says, if you think there's no God, after looking at all the, the magnificence of creation, he's, God says, you're a fool. You know, it's like, am I calling you a fool? I'm not calling you a fool. I'm just quoting God's word. He's calling you a fool. The word fool in the Hebrew language means you're senseless. You're absolutely senseless if you can look at everything around you and think, oh, it just all came into being all on its own through some evolutionary process. It all came into being. And there is no divine creator. He says, God says, you're senseless. These religious leaders were only concerned with losing their stranglehold of religiosity that they had on the people. Their unbelief blinded their own eyes to the obvious miracle that God just performed. So this man in his simplicity t- 
takes these religious leaders to school. This man who's had no formal education, nothing, has been a scrapper for his whole life, takes these religious people who knew the scripture to school. Listen to what he says in verse 30. He says, and the man answered and said to them, the religious leaders, well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from. How is that even possible? And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, God hears them. Verse 32, since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, what? You're born entirely in your sins and you're going to be teaching us now, these prideful, arrogant guys. So they put him out of the temple. You can't be part of the temple anymore. This is amazing what this blind man says. He says, how could you know nothing of him? How could you know nothing? He's, he's opened the eyes of a man born blind. What's wrong with you? The guy is saying, you should be following his every move right now. You should be sitting at his feet right now. This man seemed to know the prophecies, the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 4 said this in prophecy, talking about the coming Messiah. It says, take courage, fear not, behold, your God will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. I wonder if this poor blind man, when he was born, I wonder if his mother did not share that verse with him. One day, son, the Messiah is going to come. He's going to be among us, and he will heal heal the blind eyes. Maybe you'll see that in your lifetime. Maybe the Messiah will come. Maybe his mother shared. He might not have known any other scripture in the Bible, but he might have known that one. And he's like, how could you guys not know that? He goes, tell me someone else in the history of all humanity who has been blind and has made to see. Nobody, he says, but the prophecy says that the Messiah will come and open the blind eyes. How do you guys miss this? How is that even possible? And not wanting to hear anymore because the religious leaders were taken to the cleaners there. They're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anymore. The religious leaders threw him out. Yes, this man was paying a price for his association with Jesus. He was put out of the temple. Let's pick up and read in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the son of man? He uses that terminology, son of man, because that's what Daniel the prophet called the Messiah in Daniel chapter seven, verse 13. He says, and he answered, well, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him because your eyes are open now. And he's the one who's talking to you right now. In verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind because if they deny who I am, they will be blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, so they're listening to what he's talking with this guy right now. And he says, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, No, your sin remains. Oh, you're in your sin, buddy. Notice it said, Jesus heard that they put him out. That word for heard means that Jesus heard what was spoken to this man. 
Know this, God hears and knows everything that happens to you and to me. God is aware of our everything. And he was with this once blind beggar. And so Jesus found him. Why did he find him? Because Jesus healed his blindness. And that was a miracle indeed. But there was a much greater need in this man's life. And that was one of salvation. So Jesus asked him, do you believe in the son of man? And he replied, well, who is he? Jesus says, it's me. You're looking at me right now. But notice his response in verse 38. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him, the deity. Yes, you are the Lord God. Wow, what a progression of true confession. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789 Los Angeles, California 90034. 